welcome to day 65 of Shaped by the Word, continuing our journey through the book of Acts. I'm here with David Keefe and Cindy Kemp. Hello. Hi. And uh, it's been a fun journey through Acts. We see uh, the, you know, the gospel spreading because of uh, persecution. Mm-hmm. Uh, the early church may have just been comfortable being in Jerusalem and just enjoying the fellowship and enjoying the great things that were happening. But uh, the more the church grows, the more the Jewish leaders are uptight, and the more they're uptight, the more they attack the church. And we found one Jewish leader in particular, a young man by the name of Saul, who emerges as one of the most zealous persecutors of the church. Uh, he's going from house to house, and Luke notes, not only is he arresting the head of the household, but he is arresting the women in the household as well. And that is a big, uh, bold you know, statement. So we move from you know the exciting work of the Holy Spirit in Samaria and Ethiopian eunuch who is taking the gospel back uh, to North Africa. Uh, we won't hear about it again in the book of Acts or you know, from the New Testament, but we'll know that uh, years later there'll be a strong church in that community. And uh, so it's fun to you know, see it kind of disappear and then to see it reemerge in church history. Today we come to uh, Saul's, Saul's conversion, uh, Acts chapter 9. But before we read the passage, let's do as we always do. Let's offer ourselves uh, to the Lord and offer this moment to the Lord for him to work in our hearts and lives through his his word. David, do you mind lifting us up? No, let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for time to come to your word with your people. We thank you so much for the story of Saul's conversion of how you went after him and how you revealed yourself to him and the dramatic change in his life. And we know that those some of the things we're about to read don't exactly line up with our conversion. So many of them do. How you have called us to yourself and set us apart for, for your ways. And so, Father, may we, as your people, um, see the wonderful grace you've given Saul and see that wonderful grace in our own lives as well. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. May it meet us where we are today. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, fell to the ground, and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. But the Lord said, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer 
for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Once he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call him this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lured him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. You have a dramatic conversion in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Not only was it you know, dramatic in the form that it took of bright light and, and the blindness mm-hmm. and being you know knocked off your horse, you know, literally, but you have a dramatic conversion of the one who uh, once was plotting, you know, to kill or setting, you know, sending around giving his approval of the killing of Stephen and arresting men and women. You see two different plots, you know, to take his life, both in Damascus mm-hmm. and in Jerusalem. And what a strange invitation into the work of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the people of Israel, and so. I will show him the things he must suffer, the great things he must suffer for me. Mm-hmm. So if you got an invitation like that into ministry, uh, David, would you have joined up? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love suffering. <laughs> I know. Um, I definitely resonate with that to some extent because there is suffering yeah, in what we do yeah. as pastors. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously later on when, when Paul writes of his actual sufferings and the things he's gone through, which, mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, that's an incredible yeah. thing. And that's probably a lot of it that we don't even know about as well. Um but yeah, he, he did suffer for the name of Jesus um, yeah. and, and stayed faithful. Now, we catch him you know, in, in Corinth talking about being beaten, being in prison, being cold, and being starved, spending a day and a night in the deep. And of course, if he's writing this to Corinth, that's before the big shipwreck you know, that we find in the book of Acts. So he did you know, suffer many things for the Lord, and he described it you know, in one of his letters as filling up in his body what was lacking in the suffering of Christ. Not anything was lacking in the suffering of Christ, but when we suffer, we are joined with him in our suffering. And so Paul would call this the fellowship uh, of suffering you know, later, later in his life. And it is good that um, yeah. when uh, we're called into ministry, God doesn't show us everything you know, that'll break our hearts, everything that'll, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it causes great concern, everything that'll hurt deeply mm-hmm. um, and the things we suffer, but we have suffered nothing. Yeah, and, and not that that's just for ministers, but I mean, Anybody that's the likelihood of all of us going to follow Jesus. That's right. And that's not obviously, and that's not often a aspect of the Christian life that we kind of lead with or start with, but mm-hmm. it is led with very quickly here in Paul's ministry, which is something mm-hmm. probably to note. But I do love just that distinction you made, Paul, that here comes Paul at the start of this passage, which discovers this huge span, right? That he's breathing out murderous threats. And then later mm-hmm. on in the passage, he becomes so famous for Jesus that people are trying to murder him yeah. for that. I mean, what a distinction that mm-hmm. is. And what a dramatic display of God's grace and mercy in Paul's life. Well, I was kind of, uh, even the initial encounter with the flashing of the bright light and his being blinded, um, it just, again, the blinding, you know, kind of stands out. Of course, he was blinded, and then he, I guess he did not eat or drink for three days. It was pretty overwhelming. But then the scales came off his eyes, you know. It's just the work of Jesus, again, giving sight and, um, you know, saving us. And so I love just that picture of the blinding and then the seeing again. So The uh yeah, certainly a great you know picture of the gospel. You mm-hmm. know that he he was not seeing right. you know what he should have seen, mm-hmm. and through Jesus, you know the scales are removed from his eyes. Yeah. And of course, you know Paul talked about that happening. You know with us, you know with with the Holy Spirit opening our eyes, right. so that we might you know see the wonderful you know truth of the gospel. In other accounts, he realized that he was going in on horseback, which is kind of a powerful presence. And he ends up walking mm-hmm. in the city with him, guiding him by, mm-hmm. you know, by his hand, proud, self-confident, mm-hmm. full of venomous hate, uh, you know, persecutor of the church. And, and he walks in almost as a small child, needing someone to guide him. And then there are three days, you know, of, uh, right. of, of blindness, uh, not wanting to eat, not wanting to drink. After he does is baptized, he takes something and he, he finally regains his mm-hmm. strength. But it must have been an intense time of rethinking everything, mm-hmm. you know, for you know for Saul. And yeah. I like even at the start um, in, in verse four, as um, as he nears Damascus, you know, he he suddenly sees a light, flashes, and he falls to the ground, and a voice says to him, "You know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute mm-hmm. me?" And, and I love. Jesus' words there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously thinking about the persecution of the church in this age and then the difficulties we go through, it often feels like those are the times when Jesus may be forgotten about us or abandoned mm-hmm. us. But here, he, Jesus so extraordinarily identifies with his followers that to persecute them was to actually persecute him. And so the yeah. deep love Jesus right. has Identify. for his people is no, it is, That is yeah. profound. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, the body of Christ is so closely identified with Christ. The people mm-hmm. of Christ are so closely identified Christ. You know, that he, he could say, even in his gospel, you know, if you've uh, taken a cup of cold water to someone in my name, mm-hmm. you've, you've done the same, you know, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is so identified, you know, with, you know, with his people. And so not only do we identify with Jesus and, and our suffering, but Jesus identifies with us and, and, and our suffering as well. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a wonderful bond and a wonderful fellowship, uh, which we will lay, us, lay aside one day, you know, as we see him face to face, no more tears, no more suffering. And I can't help but just love this picture of Barnabas again, you know, as he decides to, um, as Saul decides to go and join the um, 
the apostles, everyone is so suspicious of him, right? I mean, this is the guy that was chasing us down. All of them are like, hey, hold on, this guy? Yeah, he's, we, he's, yeah. tri- he's tricking us. I've heard some stories. He's yeah, tricking us. Trojan horse, he anyway. just wants to get more names <laughs> on, on his list. I love that in verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. And I just love that, you know, Barnabas came alongside him. You know, Barnabas is always just kind of this support guy, you know, uh, uh, yeah. encourager as, as he's named. Of course, he's introduced with this, who is called, also called Barnabas, mm-hmm. which means son of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And you see him encouraging the church by selling everything that he has yeah. uh, in order to support those who had no means. Mm-hmm. And here you see him in, encouraging and you're going to see this a couple of times with Saul. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there'll be another young man, John Mark, that he takes under his wings as well, even when Paul is kind of opposed you know, to John Mark's ministry. Uh, you do, you moved quickly past, though, another main character in this, uh, for Ananias. Oh, I you know, have, You yeah, have to love yeah. what happened to you know, yeah. Ananias. Uh, Ananias, yes, Lord. He said, I want you to go, you know, down Straight Street, which was the middle of the street of Damascus. You can you know, see, see it in relief. It's still kind of there among the, the ruins. And, uh, you, know, find a, you know, find the house, you know, and Saul is in it. And he said, wait a minute, Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've heard of this. I've heard of this guy and, and of the havoc that he's reached in Jerusalem and the, mm-hmm. what he's done to your people when he is coming here. And uh, there's not a lot of explanation coming back to Ananias. It's just said, go, I've chosen mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have chosen him. And, and again, uh, God's choosing us is not nearly as dramatic, but ever bit as sure. He has chosen us according to his pleasure and according you know, to his purposes. And we can see clearly the purposes of, of, of you know, God for Saul, mm-hmm. you know, being an instrument you know, to the Gentiles and to uh, the people of Israel and filling up the suffering of Christ and his body. But he has also called us and he has also placed us mm-hmm. to be his people as well. And so Ananias goes and when he greets Saul, he greets him, brother Saul. Yeah, brother. How mm-hmm. cool is that, right? Yeah. Goodness. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was even, you know, because you see Paul, Saul's conversion here, and, and then we have you know, so many letters written from Paul as he begins even describing in part some of these things that happened to him here. And mm-hmm. it made me think back to Galatians 1 where Paul even says that, you know, it pleased God to reveal his son to Paul. And so just seeing the beautiful love of, mm-hmm. of God choosing Paul, calling him out from the womb, right, before the end, before the beginning of the ages and, and now him commissioning and sending Paul out, mm-hmm. you know, to take the good news to the Gentiles. And so yeah. I love getting to see, we get a little glimpse over here, but then with the rest of scripture, we can see in, in part so much more of how God uses. Yep, and all of those Paul. things are just as surely true of us. We yeah. were chosen in him before the foundation uh, of, of the world that he has chose you and has marked you, has set his out, has put his grace mm-hmm. uh, upon you. Fantastic, uh, fantastic passage. And then he goes to Damascus, and immediately all he really needed was this one last piece. Once I see who Jesus is, the rest of the Old Testament story 
falls into place. Mm -hmm. And so he's immediately able, you know, without a lot of, you know, a lot of time, he was immediately able to, you know, go back to the Old Testament scripture, plug in Jesus and see how Jesus was a fulfillment of all of that, proving that Jesus was the son of God, Mm -hmm. uh, that he was uh, the Davidic king who would come to reign and restore God's, you know, people and proving he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who would suffer for his people in order to redeem them. And it's a fantastic story, and you have to love the way the Gospels are shared all the way through. Uh, the Gospel is shared all the way through the book of Acts. But mm-hmm. uh, we've come to the end of our session, so <laughs> Cindy, why don't you uh, pray for us? Yeah. Father, we um, are deeply um, touched by this conversion experience of Saul's, just uh, seeing how you are dramatically at work in his life, but we know, Father, that you've dramatically uh, been at work in our own hearts. Uh, When we were dead, you've made us alive, and you've been very pleased to give us your son as well. So we thank you for that. May that, um, just knowing that, that you've cared enough to save us, Father, just uh, change our hearts, deepen our love and our faith for you, and and make us uh, fully the people that you desire for us to be. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 And cut. I know, my voice.